Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. <laughs> we're on, guys. We take we, we we're back from a hiatus. Is that what you call yeah. it? That's what I'm calling it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair enough. I mean, it is. Post elk season depression is a real thing, guys. <laughs> we're with Garrett Weaver from On Point Podcast, and yeah, post elk season is a real thing. Depression. But um, anyway, just kind of trying to recap with each other, and we said, well, let's push record. Let's see what we get here. Let's see where this thing goes. Yeah, we, we kind of had a variety of topics to include, but. I don't think we need to stick to one topic because that's the point of a podcast, right? A lot of sidebars. A lot, and yeah. A lot I don't think <laughs> we've ever stuck to one topic, so that's pretty good that we're not, you know, pinholing ourselves. I, I do think we got to boil it down to a few, though. Bullet down? Bo- boiled. There we boiled. go. Boiled. Okay. Boiled. Okay. Yeah. Got, got it. So, um, you know, I asked a question in the office, you know, like, what is one thing that if you had to boil it down, not bullet it down, but boil it down. Boil on that thing. If you had to tell somebody, here's the one thing you got to do to be successful, what would it be? And though, I honestly, you didn't answer it. You know, yeah. yeah. I haven't been thinking about it, honestly, but I, I will start to think about it now. But I mean, <laughs> honestly, I think that you could relevate it not just to elk hunting, but to life, I would assume, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that's where a lot of people don't correlate elk hunting. Because I think a lot of people successful, well, it's, it's tough to say. You're going to go philosophical <laughs> yeah. with it, I could, I could, I wow. could. But I Deep. think that a lot of people that are successful in life find themselves successful in the elk woods because they position themselves to do that in many different facets of their life. Like everything is geared towards if they're driven, they're going to be successful at whatever they're going to do. So I think that that... I think it plays yeah. into it. Yeah. I think it, yeah. I think it does. I'm just trying to think of like the one thing like to a, to a hunter, right? Right. Is that what we're talking? That's what I was inferring. Yeah. Yeah. What now, was your, what was it, you is this a, is this a, a purchasable? I am still is, thinking on mine. Is this a, <laughs> so is this a purchasable asset or is this like. Ooh. I was thinking. Um, Born and raised outdoor truck. Soundbite. I was thinking it could be a piece of gear or a trait or um, a mindset, but I don't want you know. Do we need to put handcuffs on our answers here? Because if you just I think a, so. a mindset maybe is too abstract. Yeah, a mindset. And so I know so that's just, yeah, Cody's that's my, here. My, okay, well, my yeah. my my exact point or what I said. I'm like mental fortitude, and it it it, it derives from it only takes one, right? There's there you can go into the elk woods and be like it can be epic one day and it can be terrible for the next two and you can be like okay day four i'm packing it up and i'm gonna move or i'm gonna do so having the mental fortitude of like and it kind of goes back to that confidence thing like okay i'm i'm gonna stick this out well so why isn't it confidence <laughs> mental <laughs> fortitude i guess is i think the i just found i know I, dude i ran into some guys that were so confident they cow called and bugled the bull across a field, and they ran after him when he ran off. But they were sure confident they were going to kill him. So 
Those guys were, I guarantee you, they were confident. Well, with that, they had the mental fortitude <laughs> to stay there, now, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Now, didn't they? I watched that bull for an hour waiting to get in position, and then here comes these guys just boom-botting, beatboxing, just... Confidence. Me and me. Oh, yeah, they were just spewing confidence. as those They were doing the cat road shuffle. Sprinting. Reeking of confidence. They were, I mean, they were sprinting across a wide-open 10-acre meadow. I think it's a great idea. When the herd literally could see everywhere. I don't know, but they were confident. Hey, it's called the rut for a reason. (laughs) So yeah, I guess to go to my, like my argument behind that is the mental fortitude of um, varying conditions. Um, You're homesick. It's cold. It's, you know, all these other things. I think it's really easy for people to make excuses. uh, Let's pack it up and go home. And I think to have like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go do this trip or I'm going to go on this and like stick it out to the bitter end and really try, you know, that, that the act of actually trying. A lot of people don't. They, they want instant success right now or mm-hmm. they, you know, if it doesn't go their way right away, then it's pretty easy to quit. I would so agree. I, I think yeah. that mental fortitude of pushing through those struggles is, is really the key in a lot of facets of life, in my opinion, you know. You, yeah, you, it, go, it, it boils back down to that. Boils back down, for sure. I mean, We're boiling can, again. Can I just steal his answer? Can, or, no, you can't. <laughs> you know, mine's going to be way different. <laughs> tell you that right well, now. Well, it just sounds like we're talking about sports. A lot of guys I know who played sports, you know, it spills over into all areas of their life. All those things that they learned, learned how to win, they learned how to lose, they learned how to put in the work. You know, sports did a lot for me mm-hmm. mentally, and I played sports all through, almost all through high school, and then I switched into a different hobby, but... There's a lot of good lessons to be learned. If you're really, really steadily, heavily into something, say hunting or sports or whatever it may be, you're going to find things that can spill over into life in other areas. And so that's, you know, hunting's no different. I don't know where I was going with that, but I just think it was kind of interesting. Good point. Your one best piece of advice then to a hunter would be go play some sports. Yeah. Yeah. Get in shape. Get in shape. I had guys um, get a hold of me the other day, and I think they'd already talked to you. And um, like, uh, what's you know, what's something that we should prepare for hunting Idaho? I'm like, be in shape and have good boots. You know, like <laughs> I, I don't know where you guys are hunting or what or how, but you know, if you don't have good boots and you're not in shape, then you're not going to have a good time. So, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, I, I that's not my answer. That's, that's not, not. Oh, we're, oh, it's no, not, no. That, that was just my answer to them. Let's back her down. Then. So yeah, okay. yeah. So sports ball is not the answer. No, it's a good answer, uh, but I'm 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 gonna push the ball over to you and just see. Uh, I don't I'm have one. I don't have one longer. yet. I mean, I'm going through in my mind like, <laughs> draw the best tag that you can. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I mean, well, I if proved we that one success- wrong this year. Yeah, you did. You did. So that one—that's out the door. Yeah, that's out the door. No, I mean, yeah. There's a ton of ways that you can go about this. As far as elk hunting and loan, you know, to be successful, quote unquote, quote, you could break that down into even, you know, what is successful. Yeah. You know? Right. Is seeing an elk a success is just being outdoors and you know being away from your normal day to day life a success. You know, I mean, it, it could go either anywhere. So. I, I, I don't know if there's a... You know, I say that on years that I don't fill my tags. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm preaching it. It's <laughs> I mean, I've got I mean, one hand in the air, bud. It's... it's, no, it's yeah, uh, this is the worst year I've ever had for filling tags. We... We'll put it this way. I was supposed to kill two big bulls this year and, and a you big You told bull. me it was a gimme. I it think was you said gimme. It was the best year I was ever going to have. I was prepared. I was... 
I was measuring wall, and I was ready to yeah, go, yeah. right? Down and, payments, uh, taxes are made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, long story short, I told, you know, like, I was going through elk meat, making room in the freezer like crazy, and I got that thing almost empty, and then didn't fill a tank. <laughs> so, I'm like, crap. So, this is the first year I've, I've had, in a few years, I've had to go to the store and like Safeway and buy meat. Yeah. Holy crap, it's expensive. It is expensive. It's like six bucks a pound for a crappy piece of meat. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. I need to fill some tags. Like, I need to tell Elk is not cheap either, but. It's not, but man, like, I still got some elk burger and, and um, I wish, you know, I wish I had more steak, but it's just insane how I like eating my pride to go into the Safeway and buy meat. Eating my pride. It was, <laughs> it was dude, oh, I, oh, I was literally, I went I went to the store, came back, and I just was like, my demeanor when I must have come through the door, because I guarantee you, Kim's like, what happened to Safeway? Just like, deflated. I had to buy meat, and it wasn't bird meat, it wasn't chicken, it was actual beef, and I'm like, just driving myself insane. Maybe that's true. But a good ribeye is pretty uh, tough to beat, too. It is. It Not is. tough to beat. You can't beat it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just but, can't uh, beat it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think mine would be, I, I can't piggyback off Cody here, but having reasonable expectations kind of goes along with, with mental fortitude. You see guys killing giant things every year. All these, you know, but you don't see the. That's what's great about you guys. Not every video you guys come out with is a kill video. The heck was that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I might be in the same yeah. boat. Uh, good call. Good call. Yeah. Good call. But you know, um, you know, that, that's kind of kissing around Cody's idea. There is, is, is you know, being okay, f- being okay with failing, failing. Oh, say the word for me. Okay. Failing. Failure. There we go. Failure. Um, you know, I failed for, and I say failed, guys are like, oh, well, if you had a good time, you didn't fail. Well, you know, my freezer's empty, so I failed. <laughs> so I failed. In my yeah. opinion. In your in your mind. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you're to go out there and have a great time, and that's, you know, drink beer and have a good time, that hey, then you're going to be successful more than I will be. But I'm there to put meat in the freezer, and uh, I didn't do that for like the first six years I elk hunted with a bow. I, <laughs> I didn't. Same. But... Yeah. No, with the bow, yeah. I mean, so it's tough. Being okay with failure would probably be my number one thing, but that's like kissing cousins with his idea. So, so you could write that in the same book. Uh, you need to have strong mental fortitude <laughs> and well, being okay with failure. I think how you said it is like managing expectations, and it's maybe not failure, but you know, to to understand going into it. Especially if I was to put myself in a guy's shoes from Iowa that have only seen hedgerows and cornfields and come to the Rockies Mm. and I'm going on an elk hunt, like I'm not, I would not expect like, hey, I'm going to go in there and kill a bull Mm -hmm. the very first year. I'm going to go in and learn and experience this all, take it back, apply it to come like and understand that. I'm going to commit three, three or four years on a trip like this to make it, to, to ultimately, hopefully figure it out, right. right? And I think a lot of people see, see video from us, watch, go in, roll into a state, pick up a tag, OTC, and we kill a bull day five, day four, mm-hmm. three, whatever it is. And, and like, well, yeah, I could do that, but maybe not understanding the experience of, the 20 
I don't know. Tw- I think this year was like my twenty sixth archery season or something. Years of uh, of that. Where if I went whitetail hunting, I know that I'm not going to just go kick butt at whitetail hunting, and I'm going to get my butt kicked for multiple years. If I go in there dry and don't have any experience in it, I know personally I wouldn't be like, okay, I'm going to go kill a one sixty buck or bigger, and that's it's going to happen. Like I know that I'm going to get my butt kicked time and time again till I kind of figure it out and you know so so I, yeah. I think managing expectations I think what you know that's it's a good yeah because I see a lot of guys you know um, I get the most common question I get first of all is will my arrow set up kill an elk but the, the then the other questions come in what do I need to do to prepare you know and and that might be, you know, another point that I might, you know, I know I said one thing to boil it down to, but that was a good point, you know, managing expectations. But I think knowing the capabilities of yourself and your gear, um, you know, because if you're out there, <laughs> my buddy I was hunting with this year over at Sled found two or the three, two, might have been two or three of the same arrow broadhead setups out in the woods in one small area that were, had been shot at elk. Same arrow. It was like a cheap Maxima with a hundred grain muzzy and the guy was just out there my flinging bad. arrows. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, knowing your equipment and being, you know, working your craft and being a good shot, but also being in shape, you know, knowing your capabilities, but also making yourself capable would, <laughs> I know if I'm in shape, I'm killing more animals. Like me personally, I can, sure. I can, you know, that's, I mean, if I'm a better shot, I'm killing more animals because my effective range is getting farther, you know? So, I, I don't maybe that's a cop out there. I don't no. Know. no, I I'm, no judgment. No judgment. <laughs> I'm just no judgment. really waiting to hear what Trent got. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been I'm trying to give him more time here. Oh but. no. Um I guess I would say and and probably I mean if I thought about this longer I would have a different answer, but um my answer to that would probably be if I had one piece of advice would be to critically measure your success. Which it kind of goes to a bunch of different facets. What is success to in each individual person? Like, like we've been talking, you know, filling the freezer and, you know, punching a tag. But I, I, I talk to so many people and so many guys and gals that, you know, that just, you know, well, we didn't, we didn't get it done this year. We didn't, you know, I'm just like, did you have a fun time? Mm-hmm. Did you get out with your family? Did you get to see the great outdoors where you're normally stuck in an office? Did you, you know, well, yeah, well, yeah. And I'm just like, I guess that's where my whole critically measure what is success, right? You right. know, as far as was that a success just getting to go, having the health this year to go, you know, a lot of people's parents don't get to do that or whatever the case may be because of illness or something of that major. So um, that would be mine. It's just I, I, this whole year, I didn't even hold a weapon in my hand. I never even hunted a day this whole season. Really? Yeah. And um, which is totally fine with me. That was totally fine. It was just one of those things where I kind of wanted to do it just to kind of get back to, okay, you know, do I have to kill something every single year? Do I have to be, you know, the guy that is, you know, trying to make it happen? Or can I just go and have fun and be a, be a pivotal, you know, component in the whole game itself? But where's my success lying there, right? I didn't kill anything, but I still feel like this, like the season, I succeeded this season, right? You know? So I guess that would be mine. How about that? Yeah. Decent? No, I think it's really good. See? I, I think um, I, it, it, it all comes, I think all three of our answers, it wasn't something you go purchase off the counter or over the counter. That's a good point. You know, I think that 
it it truly comes within within you know of where yeah. you know who you are as a person what you want to accomplish and how do you want to accomplish it where i think a lot of people like okay well i need to buy this 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 and this and then then uh, i can be successful then i can be successful i mean a lot of <clears throat> early years trying to figure out backpack hunting <laughs> was a aluminum frame pack strapped with a fanny pack on it with a walmart bag and you know everything else that enabled down the road those experience saying i don't you know i could do this with whatever i need to do it these those are just right pawns in the equation right it's still what's between your ears you know how how things go down and mm. you know so that being said get the best damn take that you can afford. <laughs> <laughs> it'll give you some more chances the other the other scenario there i think that we didn't talk about is time yeah time time in the field i it in, in my opinion especially growing up rosy hunting you had to have as much time as humanly possible in order to be successful because lower animal densities you know all these different factors there for a long time we would hunt pretty much like 28 out of the 30 days out of season every night after work except yeah. usually the first week we would take like wednesdays off or monday night after a weekend hunt and then we'd hunt the entire season every night every weekend and i think you give yourself the most opportunity if you can put the time in. Like, you know, a weather window hits and you've only got a five-day window, you may get shut down for four of the five days or three of the five days that just kind of takes you out of the game. So maximizing the time in the field, I think, is yeah is a big factor. And learning that and learning the time. I mean, every single time out, that's the whole thing. The other thing that kind of goes on with what I was saying is like every single people or person that I talk to, every year they learn more they learn yeah. you know i won't do that again you know yeah. that was dumb why did i not check the wind or wh whatever it may be it, it it's definitely one of those things where you build to that moment and then i'll be totally honest once you get to there once you get to be a killer i call it once you get that harvest once you actually figure it out your confidence level soars mm -hmm. and it's crazy how it starts to become a habit and you yeah. start to kill every single year almost you start to kill an animal yeah, yeah. it's true i mean it's that way with um, with a lot of people i talk to and it's um it's crazy but it's the and truth. it's not generally it's not like increased opportunities it's just the effectiveness of when you're presented that opportunity yep. it, it actually happens yeah. The efficiency. First, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a bull I killed uh, two years ago. Um, it was actually my first Rosie and um, with a bow. And I had been in that situation that I'd killed him in, I don't know, a dozen times before. And he was screaming up. He was hiring me. He was in reprod. And I was down here on the skid road. And we were just bugling back and forth to each other for about an hour, just screaming. I mean, it must have been 50 times just bugling back and forth. And then I'm like, I've been in this position enough. It's gonna get dark, nothing's gonna happen. And then so I charged up the hill, got 17 yards from him and smoked him. I'm like, that only happened because I failed to do the right thing a dozen times before that, right? I put in the time, got the failures, and then was able to learn from those. And and what's that worth? I mean, you have to be willing to go out and spend the time and and learn from your mistakes, like you, like you said. And fortunately, it took me 12 times to finally learn from that mistake. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I catch myself every time I get in a situation anymore. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but it's like, 
been here, done that. Here's what the bowl's going to do. Here's what I should say. You know, there's a there's a, another instance this year where I was hunting with uh, Mike Myrie from uh, Ragged Ridge um, Hunt Egg. Yeah. Super cool guy. And um, you know him well. Yeah, I was coming back um, for my second trip over east. And he's like, I got this bull bugling this morning. Pretty sure he's still there. Can you call for me? I'm like, heck yeah, I'll call for you. So we went there and got in position. Bull starts bugling. Long story short, we work in and uh, the bull's a little bit closer to the edge of the timber where we thought he was. And he bark chuckles. And how many times do you guys just, they don't do anything. They just, oh yeah, they don't you gotta do react. Yeah, so immediately I cut him off with a bark chuckle. And then he, he, I never saw the bull, but apparently the bull was like, whoa, whoa. And then started skirting into a shooting lane. And then he basically shot him. I'm like, heck yeah. Like how many times have I let that slide? You know, like there's, there's a lot of things that, and I got it on video, which is pretty cool. But you know, these are the things that the mistakes that I've made personally that I know have transferred into successes. It turns the hunt from an encounter yeah. to uh, a harvest, right? Oh, you right? should have been there. The bull. How many times yeah. have we done that? Yeah. Dude, he was screaming in the repod at like 50 yards. I'll bet he bugled 50 times. How many times have yeah. you heard that? Yeah. You know what I mean? He was fired yeah. up. He was fired up, yeah. so fired up. And yeah. then it just, uh, it just got too dark on me. Yeah. We you ran know? into, when we, we were hunting a very pressured unit in Oregon this year. And uh, we ran into guys that was like, man, bugle, like, here's what you need to do. Like, we were, we were listening to it go on. And we, we pushed in not knowing, you know, if um, the hunters were, where they were. So we got in, basically saw what was going on and then backed out because we didn't want to ruin their shot. But I'm like, if you guys would have done this, I think that bull would have done this, you know? Right, right. Like, and, and so, you know, we almost we almost circled around him and started, we thought about calling for him, but we didn't want to be somebody's excuses for not killing a bull, so. But we almost- That could go, that could yeah. go bad. Yeah, that could go bad. Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, it's, you know, I bet those guys learn from that situation, you know, all yeah. the time, so. Yeah. Um, it just takes time, but if you're looking for actual like time spent in woods this year, I, I spent over 20 days in the woods, passed up three. That's really good. You're gonna kill me here. Passed up three five points, uh, and that's not good. <laughs> and right now he's buying beef. That's what he said. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I'm going to the store and buying beef. Oh, and so man. I got you know I wasn't even being that greedy because it was a good tag, but again I should have shot one of those three five points I had. Right. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. Like, there's the goes back to the success thing. You could have. You know, I could have. You could have. And now looking at it, you, maybe should have. Yeah. You never. Yeah. You never know. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. yeah. You're, I mean, you're you know. there to shoot. You know, the biggest. I, you know, I was there to shoot a two eighty minimum. Yeah. And uh, one or a two ten isn't a two eighty. You know. Or but it's two, close. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, you're only about what hundred pounds. Close. Yeah. <laughs> you ever shot a five point before? <laughs> yeah. So, oh shoot. Well, one thing we kind of talked about. Uh, and we touched on here time in the woods when when this is a good question right on mm-hmm. when you should go elk hunting archery elk hunting what's the dates it's going to be one of your most asked questions you get uh, that we get no and I, I i think that there's you can have all the theories in the world and it mm-hmm. literally is year to year location location doesn't matter sometimes you know yeah i would agree that being said you- that being said is there a time that you'd say I'd rather hunt now than these dates than not? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, come on. Okay, let's, let's I mean, pretend. Let's pretend that um, you had one week to hunt, and Oregon was your state. I'd say ten days. Ten days. I'm not good at math, so it gives me an easy okay, ten equation. days. Yeah. And we don't have to constrict it to Oregon, but I'm eleven through the twenty second. Really? 
I, I would say. My uh, would be pretty close to that. I was going to say 10th through the 20th. You'd be a day off. <laughs> yeah. No. I, 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 that's, it seems like it. That being said, like you were saying, Oregon this year was on fire mm-hmm. right out of the gate. My dad, he was, he was calling bulls right and left the first weekend, the first week of season. He was crushing. And... We were at us. We were. Where were we? We were. We were around. We we did good for the first. We killed the bull opening day. Yeah, and then I, well, I was the bull. Good, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we did good and everything. But it, as far as from what everything I heard, Oregon was lights yep. out the first week. Yeah, and then it kind of petered. I had an interesting experience this year. I was in Wyoming from the first through the twelfth, in hunting the same area. You know, same herd really. A lot of it. Yeah, exactly. Like. We could actually glass onto these elk a lot of times. So it was honestly like a day-by-day progression watching these bulls were like opening day. There was six, six points together. And then that night, I think we saw another four bulls. So there's 10 bulls within a three quarters of a mile on this face. No cows, no, like literally no other elk but these bulls. Zero cows. Yeah, and they were all good bulls. Like the smallest one was maybe 280, biggest 350, 360. Like incredible. I call those shooters. Yeah, shooters. <laughs> the, biggest, the biggest five point I've ever seen. Shooter. Yeah. Um, so watching the progression, you know, as season started, they did not, they wanted nothing to do with any call, bugle or cow call. Like it was, I think day three is when... Uh, yeah, I think it was the third day I called the bull in with a cow call, soft cow call through the timber, and we slipped up on him 100 yards, like we were 100 yards when we first responded. So, and then t- by day 12, absolute chaos, rut fest, mm. screaming bulls. There was bulls with cows here. There was like basically three or four different herds all within a quarter mile area, like cohabitating, and it was just. Are you gonna still stick with your? It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, no. I, like that said, it depends on how you want to hunt them. True. Like that's a whole other topic. Exactly. Yeah. Because your best op- it, your best chance at killing one of those bulls is probably spot and stock. hundred percent. You yeah. could have gone in there spot and stock, um, or sat on. A, like we watched these elk come out of the timber in the same spot on the same little bench a couple different times. Like you, if you would have sat there and had the wind right, you probably could have killed a giant that way. Hmm. And they were very like they were like velvet blacktail deer. You know, like they came out into this part of the fed. you know they fed went into the timber hmm. like day in day out. Kind of places. Yep. And then as the rut started, we couldn't find those bulls. Like, I don't know where the giant bulls went. Did they, the cows come to where you guys were at, or did they they're, go they're, get they're, them? No, no, I think they went and got some. They went and yeah, grabbed them and Yeah, because there was one day, and I don't remember, maybe day eight or nine or somewhere in there, maybe, yeah, some one of those days, all of a sudden there was 20 cows in the, on that bench. Just that, like, that you could, <laughs> that They had not been there the whole entire time. That's crazy. But... Yeah, it's just, it, so it's interesting. It's like, if you want to have a scream fest with a bull, I think middle of September on, you're going to hear more bugles and see more rut activity. If you want to slip around and call a bull in that may come in silent, but it might be a big one, I think earlier in the month is, is definitely a, yeah. a play. 
And then you start like moon phase and all that. <laughs> I, I, this year the moon phase is through like the 11th through the or something. Wasn't there the supposed to be like an elk apocalypse last year for the, the moon phase being perfect for something? I remember a bunch of guys saying that. Every I'm time like, I looked up, it seemed to just be like a giant ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think's bad at certain times, no. depending on what the weather's doing, you know, but. Yeah. I don't know. I just. That's those are the dates that I. But every year, I would say from just years past, I would do Oregon as just the state of coast. Oregon. Yeah, the coast, like Roosevelt stuff, as early as possible. Yep. That's what I was to say is, is I, I do because um, the last three years have been really hot first thing, and and if you're up there looking for the elk before season, you're hearing them bugle a week before season, two weeks before season, like. That happens almost every year when I'm out scouting and stuff. I'm hearing bulls bugling the week before. That's it's nuts. Like, it's like what the heck, and then. They shut off like maybe three or four days after season starts, and then they'll pick up a week later. You know, and I don't think I think to a certain point, you know, scientifically, you can you can almost time when the cows are going to go to into estrus because of the photo, whatever they call it, um, light, no, you photosynthesis, <laughs> the whatever the light in the eye thing that they talk yeah. about. I'm not a scientist, but. Um, but I I don't know if you can hit that random estrus cow, you know, there, there's a big variable there because all it takes is one hot cow and then you have a whole drainage that's on fire. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just, so I would take, I would probably echo what you guys said because uh, a lot of the guys that I talked to, the 16th, around the 16th. Um, is it? It's on the coast. It's pretty hot. Hmm. Um, I killed my bull last year on the 16th. So, you know, but he wasn't bugling. He was in the middle of a unit. And it was spot and stock. And he didn't even stink. It's like, what the heck? Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I just pick 10, 10 consecutive days and just go for it, honestly. And I wouldn't care about moon phase. I wouldn't care. I would care more about the weather if it was raining over here. I've never done any good bow hunting rosies in the rain. I don't know why. They seem to shut down for a day and a half or so, usually. Yeah. yeah. It, it's the same. Like, if a big <laughs> snowstorm, snowstorm hits the uh, Rockies, it's going to be tough for the following. Yeah. I would, I would I would look more closely at weather than moon phase because I can tell you I was hunting I was I was all over it was like around the I forget it was like the twentieth this year there's some certain moon phase in equinox and and it was supposed to be elk apocalypse and it was like a desert out there Ghost it was like, <laughs> didn't pan out what's going on you yeah. know there was twenty bulls here you know two days ago where where are they all go now so. Right. Right. I don't know if I don't know. I think people overthink it honestly, and maybe they're just looking for an excuse to to you know say, hey, well, well we hit it wrong or something like that. But I can tell you, every year we go over to Eastern Oregon, um, at Labor Day they're screaming, and there's a lot of second. What's mostly the second weekend, right? Uh, second, weekend. second weekend. Second weekend is there's, yeah. they're screaming over there, and, yeah. and not all, there's a lot of st- still lone bulls out there. Um, but man, I mean, you're calling in and, and getting a lot of activity on the what the fifth or whatever Labor Day is. Yeah. yeah. It what it was interesting to watch, like there in Wyoming, it's a there wasn't a lot of tag holders, but it was like a big recreation area. So Labor Day weekend. Oh that, really? That, yeah. I mean there was one train of side by sides on the road. There was like forty seven <laughs> side by sides. Doing a trail ride thing. Like I've never seen the traffic huh. like road traffic. No okay. And it was tough hunting right around then with all the people activity. But the weird thing was that opening night, and I, th- I can't remember exactly where the calendar fell, if it was a Friday or whatever else, right along the highway where all these camps are, where one of our camps are, bulls screamed all, all night long within a couple hundred yards of all these camps. Hmm. 
And Crazy. It, like the first two, the first opening night, and then the second day is that second night of season. And you know they're hearing generators and all sorts of talking and uh, everything. Know, they don't care. You know, and it, you know, there was it was discouraging because you're like, man, all these camps. So literally, there was <laughs> like one hundred and twenty some camps. But wow. so I I think the big thing too is is just pressure, right? Of depending on where, you're, like early off, early season, I think you're going to have success in that, like somewhat uh easy accessible the elk are doing their thing right haven't been pressured yeah exactly like so if you're going to go later in the season um like in colorado if you go after the muzzleloader i think a lot of people try to hit archery hunters hit before the muzzleloader you're going to find less people after the muzzleloader season or during the muzzleloader season because they don't want to be there with muzzleloader and those elk are going to be in different areas Mm. you know kind of pushed into some of these different pockets that um, what's you're hitting? You're hitting an area I want to kind of get into here. What's one giant misconception for when it comes to elk hunting that if people are just are, it's just wrong? Like biggest misconception. Like you just said, there's a bunch of camps right here, but the elk are still there. Oh, like, I think I mean biggest. Oh, I have a whole different realm there. <laughs> it's I, more affordable than you think. You know, more affordable than you think. Well, biggest misconception to me is that's what I think. Ninety percent of the people are thinking I can't do it. Or, you know, and I'm not talking about affordable. I'm talking, I guess, obtainable. And that may be financially, that may be mentally, that may be physically. Mm. It's more obtainable than anybody gives it credit, I think. Yeah, that's, that's fair. No, I, I mean, yeah. that comes right in, you know, he's hunting right off a road, pretty much. Yeah. Camps all around. Got to hike from here to the, you know, you know, whatever. There, Yeah, there was like hatchback cars where we were hunting. Yeah, like 100%. Park. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting because if, if someone, say from... Uh, Back east, I use Iowa, for example. They want to come out Roosevelt hunting Oregon. It seems to me like it would be a daunting task to come out here, coast range, pick a unit, figure out access. Okay, we're going to go up Burnt Mountain, right? You know, I mean, that... Good way to get in trouble if you don't know your access. Exactly. Um, Yeah, but outside of that, like, just low numbers, kind of gnarly country in the sense it's small it's not big country like some of the rocky stuff but steep and brushy steep and brushy and versus go to colorado way more elk uh big country a lot more pressure yeah you know it's it, it seems more unattainable to come do that roosevelt hunting here in oregon versus go to another state when you say it's it's easy it, there's okay, a, yeah, okay, yeah. There's got to be barriers to entry, I guess you you, you would yeah. say. But at the same time, yeah, I see I see what you're saying there. Like certain species and certain elk. I'm just saying elk hunting in general. If with the internet, with Go Hunt, with yeah. Onyx Maps, with yeah. all these things, Google Earth, with all these things that you have now at your fingertips, 24 seven, and being like, uh, nope, can't do it. You no, know, there's more information out there than. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's a giant misconception of people like, yeah, I'd love to elk hunt, but that's a rich man sport or something like right. that. Literally, you spend more probably in coffee in a year than you would elk hunting. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. You look at me like. I, I was wondering. <laughs> you had that Starbucks is yeah, pretty there's right a five there. Bucks right here. It's the only reason that new Starbucks. Four ninety five. Four ninety five. There you go. Yeah. How much did you tip? Tell the, tell the truth. No tip. Oh, now you're a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that would be mine. That would be yeah. mine. There's one this year that I was shocked. We were hunting um, 
over east again, and it would be sheep. I've always heard if the sheep are in there, we have sheep, giant herds of sheep, 500 sheep. Oh, with the elk? Yeah. Oh, really? And the sheep, like if you were, a, I'm almost convinced if I wanted to, to get into more elk, I need to become a sheep herder because that guy was covered up in elk every day. He I've heard the same thing though. I've heard sheep and elk do not get along. I've not heard true. the same thing. This year, we got into the most activity and the most bulls and big bulls listening to sheep guys go, yep, yep, yep. And then the dogs barking and then the ding-a-ling-a-ling on the, uh, the, the, of the, the sheep, bells. of the bells. <laughs> I mean, we, I have a video on my phone. I'll post it tonight. We called in two sheep dogs. Those big white? Giant. I'm like, dude, is that a freaking wolf? And then he's like wagging his tail coming up to us. I'm like, dude. So we fed him some hot dogs and some chips. Yeah, you did. They followed us back to the truck for about half a mile. Yeah. And so, uh, but dude, those elk did not care about the sheep at all. I'm not saying that's like, oh, don't, don't listen like you know, I've also hunted I've in areas always, where the sheep. I, I watched. I watched a canyon in Nevada with deer, full of bucks. Sheep moved in the next day. Bucks gone. Mm. They were out of there. Didn't like. I wonder if it's it's because if there's just not enough feed to support all of them. But they're there competing. Was, you mean for feed? Maybe. Yeah, because there was a lot of feed in this area. It was beautiful, lush. But I mean, there were some areas where I mean, you literally for um, where they would corral the sheep on like a flat spot. It was black. The ground was black when it should have been dirt and grass. It was look. It was just sheep turds. Like you mm. couldn't step in a hundred square acre plot or yard plot, hundred yard plot. Really, you could not not step on a sheep turd. I'm like, well, this can't be good for the hunting here. It stinks right. first of all. But and then there'd be a big bull running right through the middle of it. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on here? Huh. So I'd never seen that before. We hunted another unit where the sheep were in there and the elk definitely were not. And so, but this year, um, you know, we were, we were covered up in elk, listening to cowboys yip at their hmm. sheep all day. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought I'd see that. A little different. Well, we've been rambling now for almost 40 minutes. I don't know if we've solved the world's problems or not. <laughs> Never do. I think we came um, close. Yeah, it's, we came good, close. it's a good one to get back in the saddle on. Yeah, it's a good one to just jump back into it, guys. Um, this whole podcast is sponsored by Onyx Hunt. If you guys could um, go check them out there. It's uh, something that I think everybody at this table uses on a consistent basis. And, yep. yeah, they've just been awesome. Uh, it's been a great tool for us as well. Yeah, so. I nonstop during waterfowl every single time I'm out scouting, nonstop. Pin, pin, birds. Yeah. Trevor's Trevor. always trying to make calls. <laughs> trying to figure out landowner. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but, um, well, yeah, thanks, Garrett, for this one. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you for having me. Yeah. And uh, just so you guys know, um, I just hit my 100th episode. Hundred episodes, and that is thanks to you guys. So thanks for having me on, and, and I couldn't awesome. think of a better way to awesome. to break a hundred. I broke over a hundred on my last episode. So this is actually going to be a hundred and one, right? That's here. awesome. Man. Perfect. That's, so, that's yeah. a huge. How long you been doing this? Uh, a little over, not even two years, I don't think. Maybe this might be my second year. Uh, come Hoodoo June. That's awesome. Or my, my third year, I don't know. Yeah. I remember when you were just starting out. And yeah. Hoodoo, I'm like going around begging everybody. And you're just like, everybody's saying yes, and now i got to talk to everybody. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's what you wanted, Garrett. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what you're looking for. Please talk to me. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. And I still, I think what, what is really cool, and I don't know, you know, divine intervention, God at work. Trent's last day in the woods, yeah. Garrett rolls up to the landing. And, you know, it was one of those 
moments I think that you remember I do I just hearing you I, I didn't I was, know who it was at the time but yeah. you told me about oh when, when Garrett I was when, gonna say where are, we, where are we going with this oh yeah, yeah when yeah, Garrett, when Garrett met, yeah, yeah. rolled up this was your last day in the woods it working was, it was and yeah. you know it's just yeah first cutter I've ever seen hit the hit this uh, road with a smile on his face <laughs> <laughs> actually you at the end of the day when you hit the road you, you got a smile on your face uh, it was yeah I was just thinking about that the other day as I as I was publishing my podcast and I was like man like that was was that the first time we met that was the first time you and I had actually ever met was it really yeah interesting yep cool so yeah so ah. thank you guys yeah hey things are meant to be man for mm-hmm. a reason so thank you guys so much for listening to this one and um, yeah we were going to Pump out more of these. Yes. It's going to be on a get ready for a steady diet of the podcast (laughs) because here it comes.